Good morning podcast, welcome to the Pieti Lambert show, the podcast for the modern day creators. Guys, I hope you're having an amazing day. Today, I want to welcome with me on the podcast, Jackson Groves. Here's a quick story, guys. I've been following Jackson for quite some time. He is basically a modern day travel adventure photographer. He's been solo traveling around the world for two and a half plus years. But the difference is that he's not just trying to check off places on his bucket list like many, he's actually trying to dive deeper into each place he's going to, which means getting to know the culture a little better, the people, the places, finding the right place to shoot and all that. So in this episode, we're going to be answering a bunch of your questions. It's going to bring us to a wide array of topics, which is going to be absolutely amazing. Can't wait to share it with you. We're going to be talking about what kind of gear he's been using? Is it still viable? Does he have any regret? What is his workflow like? Lightroom backups, all that. Is it still possible to start a photography blog in 2018 and 19? Some of you guys have been asking that question. His answer is going to be very interesting for you. And we're going to be talking about how he uses his influence to actually push people for change in a good way for the environment and for our planet in general. So with no further ado, guys, let's dive right into it and enjoy this episode with Jackson Grove. All right, Jackson, welcome to the podcast. Uh, how are you doing today? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Last day of the weekend. Oh, yeah. You are currently in Australia, correct? Which part of Australia are you in right now? I'm in my hometown of Adelaide, Australia. Okay, so you're like originally from Adelaide. Yeah, I spent my first 20 years here. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. All right. So I think, um, Jackson, I think something that's very interesting is that you're pretty famous for that adventure life right now that uh, you're exploring kind of everywhere around the world. Uh, most of your shots are really epic that we can see on Instagram. Uh, I, I want to know a little bit more about your original story. What's the, the origin story? story what's volume zero of your of your story basically okay volume zero starts uh, when i'm five years old and it is pretty much the same all the way through to uh 20 i'm playing soccer and that's my my entire life trying to become professional and uh i get close to making professional in australia um and then i don't make it so i went to play college soccer in america and I played two years uh, and studying digital communication in Oregon State. And then I moved to Hawaii and played two years and finished my degree in journalism. And while I'm in Hawaii, I start taking some photos because in Hawaii, everybody's taking photos and adventuring because it's such a beautiful um, place and perfect for adventures. And it was there that I start to um, get interested in photography and adventure. Um, from from that moment, I uh, I start to build a social profile and I create a blog. And then when I graduated, I I left to go backpacking, and things just grew from there. Oh, that's crazy! So you actually, and I didn't know like the the full details. So you actually started like trying to get your career started into sport, like going full time, and um, and it didn't didn't exactly turn out the way you wanted. So you you went to the US. That that's so cool. And how did um, how how did it uh, how do you how do you think about it nowadays that you completely moved away from that like soccer to to something so different? Yeah, I think I know a lot of people who tried con continuously to um, reach a professional level, and for me, 
I kind of reached the point at 24 where I knew it was going to be very unrealistic to um, become professional. Even past 18, 19, it begins to get very difficult. Yeah. Um, uh, that's just how professional sport is. Uh, it's very competitive. So on the realistic level, it's probably time to move on on a um, personal level. You probably want to try forever because it's been a goal for a long time. Yeah. Um, but it kind of, it was always going to end after that college career, unless I, I chased another opportunity. Um, and at the same time, my interest in photography and adventure was, um, I was, I was taking that on. So it was a, a merge of an ending and a beginning, uh, at a good time. That's awesome. So you, you did have that self-awareness to realize that, man, it's, it's not going to, yeah, I'm just pushing and it's becoming unrealistic. That's really cool. And now you're mentioning so the photography, the adventure side. Uh, Hawaii is, is like paradise for that, no? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the island that I was on, the, the most popular island is uh, Oahu. Um, and there's... Uh, I believe a million people living there, or mm -hmm. give or take, uh, and it has eight million visitors, give or take, uh, a year. Oh wow! <laughs> um, so it is one of the the most popular tourist spots in the world, and uh, uh, the beauty of that island is that you know within one and a half hours you can kind of drive side to side. So that's about the the size of it, even one hour from north to south, and within the that small island is hundreds of um, different adventures. You've got 50 plus epic hikes, beaches around it, beautiful beaches around the whole island, some of the best surf breaks in the world, uh, lots of waterfalls, uh, and then the ridge that runs right down the spine um, just creates an adventure playground that's, that's just waiting to be explored. That's so cool. And I've been a, how do you call that? Hawaii has been on my bucket list for a very long time. Uh, so if anyone listening here, also has that question about which island would you hit first. I, I'm, I'm wondering, because I have that huge dream of going to Kauai. What would you recommend? Hawaii, uh, uh, Kauai, Oahu, which island would you recommend? Uh, both, both. They're the only two I've been to um, okay. of the islands. Uh, both are really cool. Hawaii's um, definitely a lot less busy. Uh, <laughs> You can't get much busier than uh, Waikiki on, on Oahu, but Kauai is, is great for hikers. Um, uh, it still has surf out there, but definitely the surf, you know, is famous for Oahu. But it's a, it's a little bit more expensive on Kauai because it's not so uh, commercial. I think their their okay. motto is keep keep it country or something along those lines. So um, the, the hostel out there, there's there's only a few, and they're fifty dollars a night and um, you need to be kind of resourceful oh, well, okay. for the adventure out on Kauai, but it's amazing, amazing uh, landscapes to explore. And Oahu kind of goes without saying, um, it's it really is an adventure playground. You could go a, a year there or two, as I did, and, and just continue seeing new spots all the time. And um, this, the vibe on Oahu is really good with meeting um, other adventurers and just joining up and going on on group trips and stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. Um I am going to go to Hawaii like hundred percent. I just haven't figured out when. Yeah. <laughs> but all the photos I've seen and uh yeah. And I have a few photographer friends also <laughs> they told me, no, you have to go. You just cannot avoid Hawaii. It's not possible. 
Um, so I'm curious, what is the, now we have the origin story, what is your life like now? Um, because you, you really made a big push into the, the photographers and adventurers world. So what's a typical day for you nowadays? It depends what day it is, because some days, if it's an adventure day, generally I'll, I'll go on a hike, do a lot of hikes. Um, so that'll be pretty, it's pretty low key life. I stay in hostels uh, around the world. Um, so I'll just wake up in the hostel, uh, take a breakfast there, and then pack a lunch, go out on a hike, um, take some photos and uh, collect some information to write a story later and come back to the hostel. Um, I'll try and fit in a workout or a run. And then at night, I try and, if everything's uh, right time-wise and internet connection, I try and blog um, daily the adventure. So. Um, I don't really go out and party at night. That's usually what happens uh, at the night time. I get that stuff done. And, and then every now and again, I'll take a day to catch up um, because that's kind of a strict schedule that doesn't really allow for any, any other things. So sometimes you don't fit it all in one day and you continue adventuring and yeah. you catch up and have a day without doing anything or a couple of days. So some days it's nothing. Sometimes it's, five six days in a row like that yeah it's it gets really tough when you're on the road to to uh to finish everything like we i, I think people underestimate a lot like traveling takes a lot of time um just going places and if you have like editing work if you have writing work it's i mean uh, i think uh, correct me if i'm wrong but you're traveling on the cheap too most of the time And uh, yeah, you it's it gets difficult. At least for us, it was really difficult to get all our stuff done. So there was there were times we would just spend in like five days in a row in the same place. Yeah, for sure. Like I mean, the logistics of uh, budget travel or any travel for that matter can sometimes just become a little bit too much to do a daily uh, blog or a daily vlog. Um, I know a lot of people manage to do it and. Um, You know, we all do our best, but some, some people are better at it than others, and it does get hard, and sometimes you need a day. But for me, uh, I'm not kind of doing this for a few months. This has been two and a half years, so I know the value in uh, finding balance rather than um, pushing yourself to um, ridiculous lengths uh, and burning yeah. out. I mean, that it's all about the balance, so yeah that happens that happens um out there if you're listening and if you've ever considered the world tour or like extended travel and you want to build some kind of personal brand or like build a big photography project where you're kind of sharing every day or very regularly you have to take into account uh, those hours for creating without traveling because uh that yeah it gets really tough and that's my just five cents on uh, on the question is For every day of traveling, count a day of uh, creating content on the side, I think. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of how I saw it after. Because I had the, the videos also, which take a massive amount of time. Yeah, for sure. Video editing can, can take a long time. It's different for everyone. I, I know some people who have done you know, hundreds of days in a row daily vlogging. And I myself will go sometimes weeks in a row daily blogging and you know all the other stuff that come with it. But um you go in phases and like i said you just got to find the balance because if you're doing it for more than a year it's it's less of travel and more of your life 
Um, so you kind of have to treat your time on the road as a normal life rather than a, a vacation that you can catch up on later. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a very good tip, actually. Think about it as your life and not the holiday or like just a trip. That's very good. So what uh, we have um, Kei Boteng asking a question on Instagram. His question is, uh, how does it feel traveling around the world, tasting all the cultures? And I'm adding that little note is, can you enjoy when you're creating so much? Yeah, I, I guess that um, goes again back to the balance. I know a lot of people and, you know, I've fallen into the trap before of going too quickly. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm not really interested in visiting uh, places to get a photo. Um, I don't participate in that at all. Um, which is pretty common in the industry to visit as many places as possible or do these crazy trips where you visit 20 countries in in a couple of months and stuff. I'm much more interested to stay for a longer period of time um, and get to know the culture. Obviously, sometimes you don't you don't get to do it quite that way. Uh, but generally, if I have my way, like I just did in Panama, I'll stay for several months. And I get to know a lot of people. I can make some friends in that amount of time, get to understand the culture. For example, there you need to learn a language to get by. So, you know, it's easier to learn some Spanish in three months rather than three weeks. Um, Yeah, for sure. But not everyone has the luxury of spending three months in Panama. So my the biggest suggestion to people would be to spend, if you have a month, consider spending your time in less places rather than trying to fit as many as you can into that month. Um, You probably will have a better overall experience if you pick one country rather than uh, thinking you can visit five uh, in a month. I'm sure you can get to them all, uh, but definitely getting to know a country and and seeing lots of places within within the country has always been a better experience for me. Yeah, I can can relate to that one because um guys i i know if you're from the u.s most likely you might have 10 days of holidays per year so obviously that gets really tough to um to to spend a month somewhere and just chill and and enjoy a place but if you're from europe you most likely have like between five and seven weeks of holiday per year so if you can take a month and go to one destination and not travel too much it yeah as you say jackson it makes a big difference you get to uh, connect with the locals and then you discover also places within the place you went to that no one ever goes to just because they're too busy hitting the main spot yeah there, there's many and, benefits to staying longer in a place you you spend less time transiting uh it's less of your holiday uh days transiting you get to revisit it's nice to go to the same cafe a couple of times and um, learn the routes and do your exercise while you're traveling and all of these things. For me, I, I value that a lot while traveling rather than um, opening up my passport and, and showing off that I have, you know, 55 stamps in a year. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and I want to say for photographers and even for so good to be in the same place for a little bit because you can hit uh, the same spot at different times, at different lights, uh, even at night you get the feel of how it reacts with the weather and then you you really can plan your shot and get the best one you're basically not rushing and hoping the sun will be 
where you want it to be when you can just wait two days and, and go back and get those shots you wanted. Yeah, for sure. So I'm curious, Jackson, what is your travel gear like? What is your camera? Uh, what camera do you use? What have you changed over the years since you started? Uh, give me a little run on, the, on your photography gear. So since day one, I've, day one of uh, travel, I've had a Sony a7 II. Um, it's a good camera, but I have three of them because I've broken all three. And I've oh amongst, <laughs> amongst those three, I've had uh, must be like six or seven repairs. So I don't... Okay, what happened? Uh, because it's an electronic system, I can't even tell you. It'll just come up and say system error. That's I've had system error, okay. I think, four or five times. Um, oh, shoot. I've had one... The last one was in a storm and then the battery leaked some blue stuff out and uh, it got into the slot and it, it won't uh, recognize the battery. I don't think it's Ouch. the best camera if you're going on so kind of crazier adventures. And I think if my last, I have one more body right now that's working. Well, one in the backup and if it breaks in the next two months, uh, I'll go back to a DSLR cause it's, I couldn't give it really any more chances, but, I like the camera, so I don't know whether that's a good uh, review on it for people to buy it or not. But uh, <laughs> it's a good camera, but it's not very hardy for what I do. Although I know a lot of people, it's, it works it's a for. good one because it's a non-nest one. Yeah, I mean that's my experience with it. I wouldn't have three bodies if I didn't have to. Um, so I have that. Um, I have a, the lens I have on all the time is a sixteen to thirty-five Zeiss, um, which is really nice for landscape and at, at 35 or even um, wider you can still take um, some cool portraits and and some street stuff so I really leave that lens on for majority of my time probably 90 plus percent time I'll have that lens on and then I, I also and it's pretty durable that one yeah I've I've knocked the crap out of that one it's all scratched up I've dropped it down um rocks and and hikes quite a few times <laughs> so yeah it's that one's lasted um then i obviously my big weapon these days is the the drone um which is super fun uh, especially when you're solo just to to send that up um that's really revolutionized travel for not just me but a lot of people just having that that perspective from the sky has been really awesome which drone uh, are you using currently? Uh, I've I've had the Mavic Pro and I haven't taken any photos with it yet, but I have the Mavic um, Pro 2 charging up now. Oh, yeah. oh wow, that's going to get exciting. Yeah, um, so I guess I'll test it out in Indonesia. Oh yeah, right. Oh, that's going to be so cool. Um, I, I'm kind of furious because you were mentioning, obviously, that uh, the Sony, you felt like it it broke down on you the electronic side. Uh, what what DSLR would you take if you if you're going back to it? Uh, I'm I honestly I'm not really a camera guru or anything. Um, I I I guess I would get a five uh, D Mark IV, uh, just based on the advice from my my camera expert friends for for what I want to do. I don't take any video. For the most part, um, so there's no need for a one DX or anything. But to be honest, for me, I, I probably shouldn't even get that. It, 
for me, it's much more important about the adventure than uh, having just this amazing crisp quality. Often, uh, mm-hmm. I, I tell the story with a, a GoPro photo, or sometimes I even just take the photos on the iPhone. Like it, some of the situations, I, I leave the camera away, and so yeah, maybe I shouldn't get such an expensive camera. Maybe that's my lesson. I don't know. Yeah, I mean. That brings up a good point because I even shared a photo the other day and the story is like super quick shot. And uh, everyone's asking me, what did you shoot it with? And was it your 7200? Is that your A7R3? I'm like, uh, no, that's like my phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think people, a lot of us like kind of get it caught up in the gear, but don't forget that the most important is to be in the right place at the right time and then any camera I can can do a great job even your phone so yeah yeah sure. don't focus too much and as you mentioned I imagine there is something I want to talk about uh before that uh Jackson when you started sharing stuff on Instagram I noticed that if we scroll back like kind of far you were sharing a lot more street um travel photos street travel photos i would call it where maybe more of the people maybe more of the streets um what are you still shooting that um because we don't see it too much lately what what's your philosophy with that yes i still shoot everything um the funny part of instagram for me is that i would say 80 to 90 percent of the people on instagram don't know that i blog which is my um my main pursuit um which is cool but uh there's definitely always um that stuff up on the blog um the people i'm meeting and it's yes. spread throughout all of my guides and um the daily the daily stuff i put up there instagram um yeah the beast the beast that it is uh it just doesn't tend to be a place that uh appreciates portraits as much i don't really um posts um photos considering how they're going to perform and treat it as a science but they really do um they do struggle a lot on their post i think the last time i did that was last year in india um mm-hmm. but it i think a lot of photographers have the same the same consensus about it and then they um create a separate page because they do enjoy shooting it but uh in a in a scroll scroll frenzy that is instagram um they just don't seem to capture the the attention as much which is a little bit sad but i'm glad i have the blog to um to use that as a creative outlet for other types of photography but having the niche of adventure photography is is what i i put up on the instagram and that's just how it's been for a while yeah, that 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 became your like what you're known for right now. But it, it's true if you go to um, so everyone go check out Jackson's uh, blog because first of all you've got so much information. There's so many posts, but as you mentioned, there's a lot of good photography that is uh, different from what you see on Instagram. I've noticed it with your uh, weekly post and with some of your recaps. It was really nice and refreshing to see it. Also, but yeah, I was curious to what happened if. If you felt that for Instagram, and obviously it's uh, it's part of your your the business, if we can call it, uh, it was difficult to share those. 
if you want my insight on it, because I've we've had um, Sean Tucker, who is a street photographer on a podcast, a really good good one with um, with a YouTube channel and all that, and we talked a little bit about sharing. But uh, together, what happens is that if you're doing street, for example, you have to share only street. And um, and then when you get recommended, people who are into street will see your feed and then they will click. But I think the way you are, and I can totally uh, relate because I'm kind of similar, when we're doing travel and we're putting a lot of epic, uh, beautiful photos, what happens is that the people who will end up finding our content are actually looking for that kind of content. The algorithm are very good at, at giving you what you want. If you like potatoes, it's going to show you just potatoes. So if you suddenly start posting portraits when you're doing only landscape, it, it, yeah, I think people are confused in their feeds and they don't, don't pay as much attention. So if, if you ever wanted to, to share that, please create another, another account, I think, with just all your street stuff. I think it would do well too. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a mix between um, posting things because you think they're going to perform well. For me, I really uh, I'm not a big fan of that um, mentality at all. Um, but it, yeah. it, this um, it's also a mix between uh, posting absolutely anything that you want and being smart about identifying a niche and. Um, yes, and creating around that because, like anything, you know, if you create a magazine, um, just because you're into skateboarding and fishing, you shouldn't make one together. <laughs> so it's it's not just Instagram; it's yes. all um, uh, mediums. You need you need to find a niche because otherwise, it's hard for your uh, followers, your fans, or your readers to differentiate, and they don't know what to expect. So it's it's a little bit a mix of those two um, ideas. That's true. All right, so we're going to have the first skateboard fishing magazine with Jackson. Who knows? <laughs> Coming you, out you in a know. month. <laughs> it's 2018, you never know. <laughs> exactly. Nothing's impossible. Yep. All right, Jackson, um, we've got Jeffrey uh, at Jeffrey Photo who is asking, how do you keep Lightroom organized? And that is a big question. What, what's, your, what's your philosophy? With, you use Lightroom, correct? Yeah. What's, how do you keep it organized? It's funny. I, I always thought there was only one way. And then I, I met uh, a guy called Mike Corey on a press trip. And uh, he did it total opposite way to me. And we were both kind of surprised that we were doing it so differently. For me, every single place I go to, I'll create a new catalog. and title it the location and i'll put it in a folder um mm -hmm. on my hard drive for that location and within that folder there will also be every adventure i do in its own folder so if i ever want to go back and look at the um volcan um, baru hike in panama i'll go to the um Cherokee folder i'll find my lightroom catalog in there i'll also find all the raw photos from Volcan Baru in the Volcan Baru folder. So that's probably the organizational structure. And then within Lightroom, from there, because you're doing every section with its own, every uh, kind of region with its own catalog, mm -hmm. there's never too many photos in there that I find it um, crazy to sort through. The flip side of how to do that is to have one Lightroom catalog 
which is how my friend did it. Um, and he had subfolders within the one Lightroom catalog. I think he has. Wow. So I don't okay. know what I honestly, I don't know which is the more popular way to do it. Um, either way, you need to yep. back up all the catalogs or your one catalog, but that's the two people who are, um, you know, shooting tons of photos and been doing it for ages, two totally different ways. And it was working for both of us. So I don't, how do you do it? I'm so, wow. I'm so impressed because I did both ways. Uh, I started, when I started the photography back in the days, I started with just one catalog and I would shoot clients and, and import in that catalog. But then it became absolutely insane. The catalog became huge. It was maybe like five gig, 10 gig for just one catalog without even the previews. I mean, it was just ridiculous. And every time you w I would open it, it would be like super slow. Mm. So then I started doing like you. And the way I would do it is basically I would create a folder for each client. And within that folder, I have one uh, section that is that. So that was with clients. That was for selected photos, one for the rejected photos and one for the catalog. The reason I was keeping the rejected photos were if you're shooting a wedding or if you're shooting anything that's personal for people and you're delivering them the photos, but there is something they don't like and they ask you if you still have another shot, you can always go back to photos you consider not good. Yeah. Um, and that can save it. You know, if there is a grandmother that died and for some reason she didn't make it in the photos, but you find it ugly, not ugly, but like less qual lower quality photo, people are still happy to have that. Yeah. So that's why I kept my rejected photos. The Lightroom catalog was individual for each uh, job, basically. It also allowed me, whenever I was showcasing something to a client, not to have to show open a catalog that has everything. You know, if I'm, I'm just opening their job and then that's it, keeps it clean. Yeah. And then when we started traveling, um, or when I moved to, to basically a more like adventure and travel photography, I started creating a catalog per destination. Mm -hmm. So uh, I do more like you, Jackson, where it's like, uh, I'm going to name it like 2018, uh, September, and then uh, the 00, like so 0900. And then it's going to be me. So because I'm the, let's say, client. And then dash, uh, how do you call that? France or Dash, Indonesia, Philippines, or wherever I'm going. And within that, I have, uh, I have a structure where it's like videos and photos. And then in the photos, I have a raw folder. And uh, then I have the, the catalog on the side. And the catalog, I actually keep it all the time on my, on my laptop. And all the raws are on external hard drives. So I only keep the catalog with the pre smart previews on my laptop. So I can edit on the, without having to connecting anything. Mm, okay. And uh, yeah, it it just made it. I, I think it makes it easier to find stuff for me. Um, but I can understand the value of having just one catalog for backups. For example, it's so much easier. Yeah, I think the main thing is like if I ask you, you know, have you been to Turkey? You say yes, and I say, oh, do you have a photo of this? Can you find it within you know twenty seconds? If not, you probably don't have a, a nice organization system and. It, it doesn't take long to set it up. That's <laughs> yes. Thing. But doing it in reverse is almost impossible. So I think however you want to do it, just stick with it and, and make sure that you have a system. Otherwise, it's just a disaster um, trying to look back through all the unorganized files. That's a great question you, you just asked. 
I think that's a great question. Everyone should ask yourself that question. Find me the picture of the Eiffel Tower at night or the picture of uh, the arch in Utah during a night sky. If you're able to find it within 20, 30 seconds, you win. Otherwise, please <laughs> reconsider. You're going to waste more time looking for things and, and having problems like that than setting the stuff up for sure. So it's especially people will begin to ask and or you'll need those photos to create other content later on for sure. You don't just use it in that uh, month or that week. You're, you're keeping it for a reason because you want to access it later. So make sure it's accessible. Yeah. Uh, even if you're doing like a book, you know, and uh, you're doing a book on destinations, then you, you want to go back two years ago. It's It better be like well organized. Question. Um, while you're with Lightroom, do you import all your photos in Lightroom or only the ones you want to edit? I've seen both ways, so I'm I'm super curious with, with how you do it. Yeah, it's another it's another one that splits a lot of people. So I I will open up my um I'll put my SD card in and I'll open the photos up in the Finder and I'll open up the folder that I want the selects to go in my hard drive and I'll preview the photos in the finder and drag across only the selects onto my hard drive so I get rid of all the uh, photos I don't want they never even reach my hard drive only selects yeah. reach my hard drive and then only selects obviously get imported into Lightroom from there and then the some people might say well what about if you decide in the coming days or whatever that you need other photos with my SD card if it's 64 or 128 I only ever erase uh, when I have to, so I'll keep like you know five days or more of photos on the SD card, and mm. I'll just wipe it when I need when I'm traveling, so that if something does happen, like you know you accidentally didn't copy them or you made a mistake, they're still there. Um, so that's how I do it, and the main reason I do it like that. It's because your hard drive will start to fill really quickly if you take a thousand photos and you want thirty and you just import them all onto your hard drive then yeah um, but you can do the same in Lightroom by deleting off the drive. I just find it easier to do it originally in the first place yeah, absolutely that's so interesting um on my side because I know you guys have been asking a lot about workflow, I think a lot of people just just it's hard to pick one and go for it, but guys. Really, you have to choose. Like, no matter which one it is, there is no better way. It's it's really what works for you. But you have to stick to one. Don't change halfway across uh, because it's gonna create a huge mess in your workflow and in uh, in your file managing system. And I changed it very early on, and I can tell you that little like six months of uh, folders that are, have a different structure to now is just a huge mess to go back to. So. If you can, don't ever change. Uh, once you've found something, maybe do small adjustments, but don't change. In terms of importing files, I actually drop my memory card into my computer. First thing I do is I open... I'm curious, Jackson, isn't it slow to preview in, uh, with the Finder? Um, it depends what exactly you're doing. If you take... For example, if you take uh, with a fast shutter, like and it's a portrait session, I think it could be slow because you're looking for really small differences 
in the photos of which would be the perfect one. But for me, it's quite quick just to drag. I'm usually dragging across from a hike somewhere between okay. you know, 10 and 50 photos. And you're just identifying mm-hmm. the best one of each series or each moment. And I can take the selects off the drone and the camera in under five, 10 minutes usually. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. So uh, I don't ever use Finder because the on the ASM Note 3, the files are 42 megapixel and it literally takes uh, 35 seconds mm. to one minute for the preview to show up. Mm. So <laughs> what I do is I use a, a software called Perfect Browse. It was free at one point. I, I think it changed. Um, but there is another one that's also paying, but it's called Photo Mechanics. And I got that from my professional work with people. It is so fast to create previews of RAWs. It's just insanely fast. So you just scroll through the memory card in, in like half a second and everything is previewed already. And then I, I'm going to put my stars straight into that software. And then I just select the one that I, I have one star, for example. So those are my selects. And then I right-click and then I press import in Lightroom. And one, during the import dialog, what I do is um, I import the images, I copy them onto the hard drive. And if possible, I do a duplicate copy of that import onto another hard drive straight, straight during import. That way I have two copies on hard drives and one on the memory card. Yeah. And after that, the memory card, I drop it back in the camera. Usually I need to go back shooting. so I format the memory card, but if possible, if it's super important job, I try to keep the, the memory card on the side at least for another few days until I, I'm, I'm sure nothing is lost. Yeah. Uh, that's a good tip to, to keep it a little longer. Yeah, if, well, I, I'm not really shooting like a wedding where you would shoot thousands of photos and fill up cards. I usually just, if I go on a hike, can be anywhere from, you know, 10 to a couple hundred photos. So you can, on a 64 gig card on a normal camera that's not shooting these 86 gigabyte, uh, 86 megabyte uh, <laughs> photos, you can you can get a through a week sometimes with with not having to format your card. So you got a bit of safety there. That's awesome. Do you shoot video uh, with your camera also, or I so I have in the past tried to, but I'm not uh, I'm not the video guy. Okay, I'm not very good. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I, I do the video with it also. So, yeah, that fills up really fast. Yeah, for sure. That, that gets a bit crazy. Um, all right, so we've got a question here. Uh, I can't remember who asked it, but obviously you've got a, a crazy feed and a lot of photos of you in epic places, and that's going to be the shot, I'm sure. The question everyone's asking you, but uh, I still want to get through it. How do you get shots of you, Jackson? Okay, well, some of them I just take with the drone. I guess that's quite a popular thing to do these days. Just fly your drone and take a shot. And it's kind of cool because you can get in a lot of spots where the, the normal camera couldn't. Um, and oh, man, that's so true. Yeah, Yeah, and I like, I like to... I don't really care, to be honest, if it's me or somebody else. I often just want a bit of scale with a person there. Um, but often I am by myself, uh, so it's, it's me or no one. And uh, <laughs> so that's probably the the one. But other than that, I'm often with uh, another person. So if it's a photographer, then great, they can take it. If not, uh, it can I can set up a photo or roundabouts, and they can click the button. Um, and sometimes, if you're on a press trip and 
things like that is perfect. Um, somebody else can take your photo, but for the most part, a lot of um, the photos are just hanging out with friends and they, they've clicked them. I have kind of uh, I do participate in the sport of the the ten second self timer uh, on the top <laughs> of cliffs. I I haven't. I'm not really that good at technology, and I never figured out how to. Uh, I don't even have a timer. What is it? the self timer? No, it's like a remote. Um, yeah, I never got a remote or figured out how to do that. So I'll set up the camera if I'm by myself and. Uh, Sometimes I'll see how far I can get in 10 seconds. Some of them are pretty unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, I, I, I can, yeah. I mean, I'm 100% with you because I, I'm, I love the 10 second uh, sprint. I think it just makes photos a lot more fun. I, know, think, like... I think I should do a, like, believe it or not, self-timer series. Oh, man, you should totally do that. Uh, if you want, we have to go to the same destination. We'll make a video on uh, how many good shots can you get uh, alone with 10 seconds. <laughs> and you have to post the behind-the-scenes video of the scramble or the run. But I think oh, also yeah. be careful because it's a great way to kill yourself on a cliff trying to risk it for, uh, uh, for, for a shot. Good, yeah, to get somewhere in 10 seconds. So. All right, so this might be useful for you, uh, Jackson, but... I made a video not long ago how we get our shots with Trina saying um, it's a tutorial how we get the shots of ourselves when we're traveling. There is a mode in your camera if you connect it to your phone. Um, when you're in burst mode with the camera and you put it and you connect it with your phone, actually when you're going to press like, you know, take a photo from the app, from the Play Memories app, you can actually slide it and it's going to lock in burst mode. And so it's going to take burst photos until it, it's full. So it's not a good idea to do it. Sometimes it's very useful. But uh, the other thing you can do is just the cheap remote, like uh, $8. And it's a cable. It's a, called an intervalometer. And, uh, or if you have an A7 II, you can get uh, the uh, intervalometer built in the camera with the Play Memories app or something with your computer. And then after you go in, uh, in uh, how do you call that, time-lapse mode, and you take a photo every two seconds, and that's going to change your life. Yeah, I did, I did uh, create some time-lapse with the Play Memories app. Uh, it was more than two years ago, but the last times I've tried to download it to the camera, it hasn't <coughs> worked. So like I said, I'm not uh, Mr. Technology, so I just gave up and got on with my life without it. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Well, if you if you um, if you really don't want to do it, the technology uh, with the app and stuff, essentially just get an eight dollar intervalometer. You plug it on the side of the camera, and uh, then you just press the um, the button, yeah. and it's gonna it's gonna take a shot. It's super. I always have it in the bag now because yeah. it's actually very practical. Nice. And the, I don't know why the connection with the phone always breaks after like five meter, which is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, oh, okay, let, let's get that, and that's gonna save me. Uh, the drone doesn't. Do you do you press it or do you put it in like? I think they have a mode where it takes a photo every five or or three seconds, something like that. Uh, I I click it. Um, and you I, click it. I want even on the drone. I don't use too many settings. Like I've never done the follow me mode or the the orbit and stuff like this. But uh, I I do use the burst mode. Um, Okay, and that's for 
anything like jumping or uh, running or cliff jumping and stuff. Uh, but other than that, yeah, you just carry the remote around and and click yeah. away. Wait, do you do you actually take your own cliff jumping shots too? No, because I would have to okay. throw the remote. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Back. I was. <laughs> I just... I got really confused for a second. No, I was like, like uh, damn, the guy goes alone on cliffs and then jumps alone. <laughs> but I do know, I know a guy um, who's done it um, and how he does it is Nick Pasquero. He does a lot of GoPro and adventure stuff also. And he just puts the drone up and records video. Um, okay. And then just screenshots the clip and, and like we said before, it's not often so important about the quality, especially if you're just putting it on social media. And he, if he, I mean, you still get a 4K image, so it's good. Right. So, yeah, he films in um, 4K, I guess, and screenshots the, the image or something like this from the video, and it looks cool. And he, he's had times where it's been him and his girlfriend, and they both wanted to be in the photo jumping off a huge cliff. So yeah. they just set it up in video and hope to make it back up in time to land it. And so that's one way you of yourself cliff jumping with a drone. That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, if anyone has a new technique that we should try, please let us know. But I think we, we kind of tried all of them. And, and the 10-second timer is still a, a very easy uh, one. At least with the Sony. I had a Panasonic and the time time uh, time lapse mode was so easy to set up it was just ridiculous yeah and it, it it took you as much time as a 10 second timer so that was better but uh sony removed every time lapse mode on the a7 III plus so i'm like okay great <laughs> fantastic one last question jackson and it's more related to towards your blog someone asked me the other day and i thought that i would ask you because you're kind of the expert now how do, is it still possible to have a travel photo blog nowadays and uh, if yes how how do you do it uh it really depends on the the question that that person is likely asking is is it possible to have people visit your travel photography blog um, exactly because of course it's possible to have one uh, the problem that a lot of people come across with the blog is they forget how they're going to get people to the blog and it is like all things quite competitive and the problem with a photography blog is that you don't have any Google search coming through most likely for the photos so Google search generally lends itself to written text because that's where the keywords are and that's uh, how you're going to rank for an article. It's quite hard to rank for uh, a gallery. Uh, so for a photo blog, uh, it's going to be difficult. I'm not exactly sure how you would uh, market it. You have things like Pinterest, um, Facebook, and Instagram, the swipe up story. Uh, how you can direct traffic to a photo blog. Uh, yeah. In terms of getting a lot of traffic there, I would assume, unless you have a lot of uh, followers who are going to click through from those social medias, uh, then it's going to be hard to get a lot of traffic there. I write um, text guides, 
sort of like destination guides and uh, reviews guide uh, type articles on individual places. Um, By the way, guys, those are super helpful. If you're ever going to Southeast Asia or Panama, please check out his guides because there's so much good information, Jackson, by the way. Thank you. We've used it while traveling. Yeah, the, I mean, the it's it's definitely easier to get traffic that way, but still competitive. But with the photo, I do uh, write blogs that are photo galleries and you can rank them, but there's even the knowing the search volume of uh, the keywords for galleries and photos of certain places, it's very low. Whereas yeah. more people would be searching uh, for an itinerary of a place or the things to do in a place or the best restaurants rather than a photo gallery of, uh, you know, Philippines or something like this. So I think it's definitely possible, but it's going to be hard to generate a lot of traffic unless you have these external um, routes outside of google search yeah so you're picking up on on very good point first i asked you the question in that very generic term because that's how i was asked and i believe just like you that that person was more likely asking is it possible to have a blog that gets people and that people (laughs) look at because as you mentioned anyone can have a blog and guys if you just want to do it for the fun of it absolutely do it and remember understand why you're doing something. It's not about, I want to do it, but why, why do you want to do it? Do you want to make a living out of it? Do you want to make any kind of money? Do you want to do it just for fun and for your personal pleasure? No, depending on which route you're, you're thinking about it, you're going to have totally different strategies. And if you're doing a blog and you're trying to do get traffic, uh, Jackson, I think you never, maybe you don't speak too much about it, or maybe it's because most of the people's, uh, most people first don't know you have the blog even on Instagram which I'm still very very surprised because that's pretty obvious and second thing is no one knows how big you are on Pinterest <laughs> and <laughs> if you have a blog and or if you have photos and you're not on Pinterest you're missing out a huge uh, opportunity to actually get your name and your photos out there how big is Pinterest for you uh, Jackson? Um... Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a big um, big platform for bloggers. I actually haven't used it uh, in over a year. Uh, I stopped stopped using Pinterest. It was great in the start when you don't uh, rank so easily or you don't have as much success on Google as a new blog um, because this it's not about uh, necessarily how uh, how good the reputation of your website yeah. is. Uh, so Pinterest is for a beginner blogger. It's a fair play for um, for everybody. But for me, I'm all about efficiency. And in the end, um, spending time uh, on Pinterest wasn't the best play for me personally. And I don't outsource anything. So I just scaled back on that and doubled down on other strategies. Having said that, mm-hmm. I do think it's great. I know a lot of people have a lot of success with driving traffic there. The idea is to create a pin uh, that generally it will have text on it. It'll say, uh, for example, you know, 10 things to do in Ubud, Bali, or um, a guide to backpacking Southeast Asia. And you'll try and keyword it in the title and the description to try and rank for certain things because Pinterest is a search engine. Uh, and then the idea is that a lot of people will repin it. You can do 
you can help that along in multiple ways and then your pin will go viral and you'll have a stream of traffic um whether your blog ranks on google or not from pinterest yep yep that's a very good point like definitely at the beginning it even helped us with our blog so it's a really good way to do it in my opinion and after once you get picked up by google and all that you you might be able to focus more on it but don't underestimate pinterest even if you're looking for inspiration or if you have questions about stuff i think it's 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 really good yeah it's like the visual search engine it it gives you a little bit more um than google and it can um direct you you know to the right spot for finding lists guides um and yeah like you said travel inspiration but also other all the other niches as well yeah that's a that's a good point so yep don't be discouraged if you're trying to do a blog it's it's still possible uh you just gotta be smart about it and know why you're doing it also that's i think that's the main number one thing um for everyone know what you're doing no, why do you're doing it? Even for photos, I don't know if a lot of people ask you, Jackson, can you review my portfolio? Can you look at my photo? Tell me what you think. But I get that on a daily basis. And I always ask people, are you happy with your work, first of all? And second of all, uh, what are you trying to achieve? And how are you trying to think about it? If you're trying to be a business, then I'm going to give you advice. Uh, I'm gonna, I, can give you, I can provide feedback on what the industry thinks of your photos. But if you're trying to be, if you're doing it for the fun of it, I have nothing to tell you. Like, if you're happy with your photo, that's awesome. I have nothing. Even if I don't like it, it doesn't matter. It's a subjective. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's really like, tastes are so different. But if you're trying to make it a business, or if you have a very specific thing you're trying to create, uh, uh, it doesn't have to be business. For example, you're trying to get a very specific shot with a very specific mood. And you can't get there, then that's when feedbacks are very useful, in my opinion. Definitely. Cool, Jackson. I think that's awesome. What's your next? Uh, what's your next adventure? On um, Tuesday, I fly to Java, East Java, yeah. to Surabaya Airport. I'll be meeting my friend and uh, um, who is a videographer, and we're going to be filming a four-minute uh, feature for Polar Pro. Um, focusing on solo travel. We're going to be doing that for 12 days. So that's going to be a new adventure to create a scripted uh, feature film or video, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And then I'm going to spend the next month in the Philippines. Oh, nice. That's awesome. So you're going to work with Polar Pro? Uh, yeah. Is it for the, on which filters? Is it for the camera filters or the drone one? Uh, or general it's, it's general we'll be using uh, i use the filters of polar pro on the drone all the time um so they'll be on there like they always have been and they also uh, create like polarizers and nds for uh, dslr or mirrorless yeah um, i have those they're really good right although i uh, broke one <laughs> but it is a general um it's a film or a video not focused on their product it's focused on the creator um but that's it's, awesome. yeah that sounds like a lot of fun man yeah um, it's gonna be a blast dude i i don't know if you have five more minutes but i, I just noticed on my list i wanted to talk about something uh that anyone listening i would love for you to to just listen up and i know it's it's, we are reaching the end of the podcast, but please listen up. Jackson, can you tell me more about the adventure bag? 
how you started it and what it is. I'd yeah, love sure. for everyone to participate. Yeah, so I, I was doing a lot of solo hiking in Panama and, and uh, you have a lot of time to think when you're doing five, six hour hikes by yourself. And I started noticing uh, a lot of trash on the trails, which is um, similar to um, countries throughout Southeast Asia and you know even in Australia uh, uh, and the, the first world countries, as they like to call themselves. So I decided I was going to take a bag, just a small plastic bag that you would get at a, a local shop uh, and fill it up with trash on the way down. So I still enjoyed my hike up, enjoyed the, the summer, took my photos and all that kind of stuff. But on the way down, I never generally took any photos. I'd already done my, my business and enjoyed the hike. So I spent that time collecting trash and I carried it down. And when I got to the bottom, I found the, a trash to dispose of it correctly. And uh, because I was doing this on an adventure, I, I called it an adventure bag. <laughs> I then um, kind of shared the idea with my audience on Instagram. And um, I told them if they did any, I'd, I'd repost them. And people started joining in and I kept going and I was hiking every day. So, you know, I was consistent with collecting my bags and more and more people joined. And before I knew it, we, we were getting sent, oh, I was getting sent in 10 or more bags a day. and. Um, people from all over the world were doing it. They had bags that were underwater at the Great Barrier Reef. We had one at Machu Picchu, Switzerland, and the we had them at oh the Alps. That's so yeah, cool. And it was from all ages. It was from all different countries. Um, it was you know from first world, third world, parents, kids, and uh, then we we took I took it one step further and uh, organized an adventure bag adventure day in. Um, El Valle de Anton in Panama, and I invited anyone who wanted to come in Panama um, out in the morning um, to this little um, town in the valley. And we had over 70 people walking through the street at 4.30 in the morning to do a hike, and then we, we collected trash on the way down. And uh, we did another one that day with the same group. We had over a little. Um, oh, wow. With all this rubbish and... You know, you're instilled in all those people the idea that they can be a change agent in their community and spread the message. So um, hopefully that effect um, uh, rippled through their friend groups and their communities. And we did it again in Panama City. Um, we had, uh, I think it was 70, 70 or so people come out and we collected over 100 bags of trash at one point after a hike. Um, and that was the second uh, cleanup, and I think I'll continue them around the world. The page where I've centered it um, is an old Instagram I used to run, just reposting travel photos, like lots of accounts uh, still do and used to do back in the day, but I'd left Dorman, and I turned it into a page called Adventure Bag Crew. Um, and that's If you tag um, Adventure Bag Crew with your story, you can put it on your Instagram story with a bag you've collected or uh, tag it on your post if you collect an adventure bag. I repost all of those um, and obviously uh, your account can get seen that way so it's a little reward but the big thing is that when it's on your story, on the story of Adventure Bag Crew and I share a lot of them as well, we're collecting a bag but we're also spreading the message as far and wide as we can and you never know who you're going to inspire to collect one for themselves. So that's the big message at the moment and trying to keep that ball rolling because, uh, you know, the more, the more we can spread it, the more bags that get collected and the more minds we can change. That is, that is the best thing. 
um, about. That is the best thing about having your audience and actually pushing for change through your audience because I think having numbers on Instagram and having a lot of people look at you can be very not narcissistic it can be very uh not narcissistic but it's it just feels good you know you're like oh cool a lot of people pay attention but i think the moment you're able to um, distill some kind of idea of change in them that can make a something better for the world around you the community or the environment i think that's where having a good following on social media is very rewarding i don't know how you think about it yeah, it's that. I mean, you anybody who has uh, an audience larger than the average person, they um, they have an influence, and they also bear a, a responsibility of how to use that influence. And there's nothing wrong with using it to, you know, share the travel photos and the the adventure. But you do have the opportunity to use the influence for bad or for good, and uh if it it's awesome if people want to take the time and effort because it does take a lot of effort to yes. you know expand into something like that but you know all good things take um blood sweat and tears and i think that the thing a lot of people forget is that if you have an instagram account or a facebook account and you're an influencer whether you have a hundred followers or you have a hundred thousand um you know if you post a photo on your facebook uh, and telling people about the adventure bag or on your Instagram telling people about the adventure bag, you still have the opportunity to influence all of those people. And it doesn't matter about the size, it just it's more impactful, obviously, if you, you send that message to many. But the idea is that accumulatively we can spread the message as far as possible. So it's not, it's not going to happen just by one person. Um, when we all come together as a community, the numbers quickly grow into, you know, into the hundreds of thousands and into the millions. Yeah, and I like to think that with the movement you started, um, and I'm I'm guilty of not having really participated. I do my own show with all my my pro- actually I I I don't have a bag, and that that's my big thing. That with you I discovered was I shit I should just get an external bag because uh, putting trash in my main camera bag was just weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if I'm very honest. So I would carry it in my hands, but I can great after like two pieces of plastic, you're done, and the mountain's full of it. So you feel a bit ridiculous. But if you have a bag, that's a huge difference. And I like to think that with what you started, we might go on the same hikes we went last year, but it's gonna look clean, for sure, you know, or cleaner. And if people, the guy who is gonna throw his trash, if you're guilty of that, please stop listening right now and and go pick up your trash. But if you're not guilty of throwing trash in the nature, and you see uh, other people picking it up, then I think you might even want to join, or I hope you will feel super guilty and go pick up the trash you just left if you see someone else pick up something that doesn't belong to them. I really hope you feel very guilty about it. (laughs) I know it's terrible (laughs) to say that, but you know what I mean? It's like, okay, someone else that doesn't know you is picking up your trash uh, in front of you, so feel guilty about it if you 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 left it there and and help the others and i don't know in the philippines i've noticed that the hikes were really clean compared to indonesia for example and I, and then i noticed the locals are actually picking up a lot of their trash on the way up like the guides and all that they were really uh thriving for change and you've been have you been to kamigin island no um 
Oh man, that is so weird. Uh, I mean, the island's not weird. It's awesome. But the feeling we had in Kamigan was so weird. It's as if a small community was very advanced environmentally. Like they're very aware of their problems. They're very aware of that. And the island's so clean, which is slightly surprising for that region. Um, super clean. Everyone's picking up their trash. You've got organized trash days. It's just absolutely incredible. It feels like uh, uh, like Finland almost. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, which is absolutely... And people have signs, you know? They're like, hey, this is our, our island community. Please make sure you don't leave trash, everything. They, they almost don't want to give you plastic bags. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. It was That's beautiful. Perfect. Yeah. Um, Jackson, thank you so much for expanding on the adventure bag. I really wanted to talk about it. Because I think that's also a big value. And guys, we're all into photography and video here. No one wants to shoot a place that's full of trash. And we know we're really good with Photoshop. We can hide it. But if we can actually do something in real life to prevent it from ever getting to the photo, that's, that's all a big win for all of us. Exactly. And it really, so, the idea is this is not taking much effort at all. You always have a bit of spare time after you're doing your shooting to um, pick up some trash on the way out and uh, do your part because it's easy just to say next time or um, didn't, have, didn't have enough time or it was inconvenient, but uh, that doesn't really help the problem of the environment. Absolutely. So everyone get an adventure bag. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and keep in, I'm I'm gonna do it right. Like I'm when am I leaving? I'm going on Wednesday, I'm going in the Alps. I'm hundred percent gonna do it. Okay. I hope I hope you have some trash to collect. Well I hope there's no trash, but I hope if you do take your bag find some you find some trash. You would to be pick surprised. Up. You would be surprised. Uh, I've had some I, people we have... uh disappointed that they've gotten all ready with their adventure bag and the place has been too clean and they've almost been disappointed <laughs> they couldn't participate <laughs> did they go to japan <laughs> yeah it's a good problem to have but it's funny when they they show you hold up an empty bag and they're laughing but yeah <laughs> well that's that's awesome i mean that's all goal your goal is to have the adventure bag empty not because you didn't pick up anything but because exactly. there was nothing we'll have to that's start a cool. new an empty bag crew for the success stories <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Jackson, at the end of the podcast, I usually ask my, my guests, do you want to share something personal with the audience or do you want to ask them a question or suggest them to do something that you think is really cool or that can help them reflect or, yeah, whatever? Do you have a message or a question? Yeah, I think the... The main thing and the hardest thing to do when you're uh, not necessarily uh, stuck in a situation or but you're not sure whether where you're going to be heading next is to think long and hard about what it is that you do want to do. And if something does come up, uh, decide whether you want to commit to it or not and really, really go for it and be ready to, to spend three to six months chasing it. Um, consistently and if at the end of this uh, that time period you're not satisfied or it doesn't work out then you can reevaluate but don't reevaluate after week one or week three uh, because often things don't come to fruition or make much sense early on that's like the teething period so if you decide that you'd like to try photography 
go hard for you know for six months straight or you're trying to learn an instrument or a language don't get frustrated after week two week three or month at the end of the first month you need to really uh, put in you know three six or as many months as possible before you decide that no it's not for you um so push through the the tough moments early on to really see um, your your idea and your opportunity come to fruition and, and if it's going to be something you want to pursue long term love think, the message love yeah, I the think message. too many too many people uh, they give up early and, and everything is, is hard in the beginning for everybody like no one was an expert um, on on day 20 of anything any hobby or any uh, any skill they ever tried so it's ridiculous that we put so much pressure on ourselves so just enjoy the process of learning something new or your new endeavor as much as possible and work hard for as long as you can before you decide to give up on it or to try something else and can i add something for sure if you're learning something you do never delete what you created first <laughs> because at month six what you want to do whenever you're feeling down, you want to go back to that first thing you created and look at the difference. If, you, if there is no difference, clearly you, you're doing something wrong. No offense. But usually there is a massive difference and we tend to forget how far we've come from. So don't get discouraged. Persistence, commitment, and the drive. That's really got to have all of them if you want something to come off. That's awesome. Thank you, Jackson. That is really good. Where can shoot, what do you recommend people to find you online right now if, if they you, want to see more? If you want to see the adventure travel photos, you can find me on jackson.groves on Instagram. If you want to collect your adventure bag, tag that and get famous by having that featured on the uh, <laughs> profile or at least help spread the message if you don't get famous where the ad at Adventure Bag Crew. You can join the movement and join the crew. Uh, and if you want to read any of my travel guides, see some more in-depth stuff, or read my weekly review that is in week 117 or something ridiculous now, that's on journeyera.com, which is my adventure travel blog. That's awesome. Uh, the link is in the description of the podcast, guys. So if you've got any no idea how to spell it, just check out the link below and, uh, and uh, hit that link. Uh, Jackson, thank you so, so much for your time, for taking those, uh, those minutes with me and, and sharing your message and that adventure. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Have an awesome day. Bye. Cheers, brother. Wow, guys, thank you so much for listening until the end. It means a lot to me. And I really want to ask you just one thing. If you got any value out of my content, out of the podcast, if you like that episode with Jackson, please share it with the world. I think not enough people might be listening to those advice about picking up trash when you're going somewhere, trying to put something good out there in the world while still building your business, your brand, your influence and all that. I think this is such a great message. On top of that, I really loved how actually Jackson didn't really care about the gear so much, but really about, I just need to get the shots. And at the end of the day, I want something that's not going to break all the time. So that was also something that really surprised me. I, I didn't know what to expect exactly in terms of uh, his geekness towards gear, but super surprised in a good way. I think it's great. It's the way you guys should be thinking about your gear if you're asking yourself too many questions. With that being said, guys, I'm going to let you go. 
Please remember, if you've got any questions, let me know on Twitter at Pieti Lambert, on Instagram, or send a voice message on the Anchor.fm app. And remember, guys, and last, go check out Jackson.Groves on Instagram. His work is awesome. I love what he's doing. And the adventure feel, he's really representing the new generation of adventure, in my opinion. With that being said, guys, get out there, go shoot, try something different, try something new, and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you. Bye.